most people aren't, they're just consuming. They're not creating anything. All they do is they get mad at the TV. They're not doing anything. Like, so I always challenge people to become a creator. If you don't like something, go out and change it. Go out and win in life. That's the best kind of revenge anyway. I've had cats from the entertainment world, the political world, the athletic world, entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, some of the most successful people in the world. Who Lazy. does that? Nobody. Nobody. Which is exactly why you should. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes your biggest cheerleaders are the ones that have achieved like things that are you know much greater than yourself. Sure. We're in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho with Randy Kaplan. He actually goes by Randall Kaplan, but I call him Randy. So Randy Kaplan, you guys, this is a venture capitalist friend of mine who we're lucky enough in Coeur d'Alene to have here, what, two months a year you come here? Three, Three months? months. Three months. Okay. Coeur d'Alene, by the way, one of the most beautiful areas in America. I think that's why this guy's here, right? Epic. Yeah. Best place on earth. <laughs> well, awesome. Anyway, this is, uh, this is someone that I look up to. He's interviewed some of the most amazing people on planet earth on his podcast. What's the name of your podcast? In Search of Excellence. I want to give him a shout out. In Search of Excellence. What a name, right? So we're going to take a deep dive here with Randy. I can't wait to hear some of the stories that make the man you see today. Randy's very humble. He doesn't want me to really go into all the excellent things that he's done in his life. So maybe we'll pull some of those stuff out. But he's built a hell of a company. Undeniable, I would say. Can I at least say that? <laughs> There's a humble guy here, you guys. We'll, we'll psychoanalyze his hesitancy shortly. Anyway, he's, he is, man. But um, this is someone that I really look up to. I enjoy being around him, and he really gives me a blueprint for really how to move up in business and life. So I'm really thankful you're here today, man. Appreciate being Thank here. You, Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, welcome. I think Randy. the world of you as well as you know. Thank you, Randy. It means actually means a lot coming from you. So, well, let's start into it. So, man on a mission. We really like to start from the depths of hell, if that is a, a place that we might be able to start. Now, everyone's got a different reality. Um, they have a different testimony, and from what I found is the people that that really rise to the top oftentimes they have the roughest starts. They have the I don't know, you know, the bloodiest beginnings, and so. This is where we like to extract gold. So I don't know if you can start anywhere you want. Where would you want to start in Randy's life that really could take us back to the person that's not sitting here today, the one that you had to create? I think we all start with family and how we were raised, and we talk about our first memories in life. And unfortunately, my parents split when I was two and a half years old. My mom worked three different jobs to put food on the mm -hmm. table, and I remember those memories very, very well. My first memories in life were... My mom having to work three jobs to support ourselves and those are very difficult memories to get over and overcome and, and they motivate you so to see your parents particularly your mom I live with my mom at the time struggle is a very powerful moment for you to to see and say hey I don't want to struggle as a kid and and I don't want my kids to struggle when I'm later in life and it really makes you motivated to be your best and to yeah. do your best and to be in a different position than your mom or your parents are in when you're younger. Right. Where'd you grow up? Detroit, Michigan. Detroit, Michigan. How many siblings did you have? Wanna... I, only, I had one sibling, uh, my brother Rob, who's 18 months older than I am. Okay. Great. Where, um, take us back to that. I know on your podcast we were talking to you earlier and you were saying family background is something you'd like to explore with all your guests. Yeah, because I think it's important for people to know... Mm. 
what they were like when they were raised. I think it's important, people's influences about their parents and how they shaped and influenced your future. And it's always very, very interesting to talk yeah. about a variety of guests. I've had guests from the entertainment world, the political world, the athletic world, mm. entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, some of the most successful people in the world. Yeah. And we all have different backgrounds, surroundings, influences when we're younger, and they definitely help shape our personalities, our values, and the preparation for our future. That's something I talk about in my own podcast. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's just fascinating to hear about people's backgrounds. How is it to answer that for yourself? Like, you know, that saying, it's hard to smell your own nose, you know, when you self-reflect and look back. Um, tell us a bit about your own, the most formative things of your early part of life. Well, it's, my life was, I thought I had a very difficult childhood. I stuttered as a kid, was bullied as a kid, and... For a while, I didn't have any friends as a kid. You're that kid that everybody makes fun of, and mm -hmm. you go home crying to your mom, and it's not a very pleasant experience. School was not a pleasant experience mm -hmm. for me up until a point where I was in middle school and high school. I made some friends, and I knew what friendship was, but it's really a brutal experience to be that kid in kindergarten and first grade and second grade where sitting in the corner by yourself, and it just it's, it, it's painful, and you wonder... Yeah. Hey, is this going to be my life in the future? Yeah. And yeah. you hope it's not. And thankfully, it wasn't for me. But it yeah. definitely was a big motivator. How can I get better? How can I improve? How can I stop being bullied? How can I stop stuttering? Uh -huh. And uh, being able to overcome these things was a huge motivation for me. And it definitely helped shape who I was as a teenager, college student, adult, and then obviously my professional life as well. Yeah. It's cool now because I know him as the Randy that's the CEO of Jump that's influenced hundreds of students through his Jump Academy, right? Where you're yeah, Jump Investors. Jump Investors. Yeah. yeah, just so it's funny to know this guy. It's always amazing to dig deep, getting back to the college Randy and then the teenager Randy and the child Randy. But I re agree with that sentiment. Like so often, the greatest and worst memories of your life are trapped inside a little boy or a little girl that's inside every single one of us. And for most people, I think it actually holds them back. But for some people, they leverage it and they use it as power, rocket fuel to really move forward. It's clear that you've obviously used those early childhood experiences, something that really motivated you to move to where you're at today. But I'm really inspired. How did you get... I mean, we're making a big jump here, and we probably should would stay in these younger years. But you know, CEO being a capture venturist, I mean, say the right venture capitalist. Venture yeah. capitalist. Yeah. How do you make that jump all the way to CEO? You know, coming from a single mother situation. I think you just do the best you can do and be the best you can be. For me, I remember being in the sixth grade being at a public school and you get your report cards and it's the dot matrix printer and uh, you get your actual grades for the first time ever rather than just a uh, uh, terrible, below average, average, good, excellent yeah. grade. You get the actual numeric value. So you get A, B, C, D, and E. And I remember in the sixth grade, I remember getting straight A's and I thought, gosh, that's pretty cool. Hmm. I'm actually good at something. Yeah. And I thought, all right, my grades are going to be my ticket out. They're going to be the ability for me to do better and in sixth have more grade. opportunities. Yeah. That's amazing. I remember, yeah, well, you don't have a lot of friends in sixth grade, and you say, okay, I'm really good at something for the first time. Right. And yeah, said, all right, that's, that's cool. Yeah. And in middle school, it translated as well. I did really well. I got all A's. And then I went to very private, uh, a private uh, a high school, Detroit Country Day, and I went to my dad and I said, hey, 
uh, I'd like to go there and will you pay for it? He said, of course I will. He believed that education was the most important investment you could make in your future, and I thought so as well. And as a parent, I think that for uh, my kids as well, but very challenging high school, very, very smart people, and you get there very intimidated your first day. You're looking around and say, gosh, look at all these super smart people, and just put your head down, and you're very insecure at that point as well, coming from public school, Hmm. and say, can I compete with all these people? And Detroit Country Day sends so many people to the best schools in the country, the Ivy Leagues, Harvard, Stanford, Penn, Brown, and you're sitting there, gosh, you know, how can I compete? And, of course, I applied to one school, greatest school on the planet, which you know is... (laughs) <laughs> no, <laughs> University of Michigan, go blue uh, to everybody. Okay, I should have guessed. And uh, I was going to say Notre Dame. So yeah, yeah, gosh, no, I'm, I'm taking off. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> but uh, that was a school I always wanted to go to. And mm-hmm. I think you're always intimidated when you're in a new situation, being smart people, smart. Yeah. Detroit Country Day had 93 people in my uh, graduating class. I think 42 went to Michigan. Oh, wow. It's a public school in state tuition, uh, one of the best schools in the country, as you guys probably know, and I'm not saying that as a biased <laughs> graduate. I think it is a phenomenal true statement. school. True statement. Yeah. And you get there and you say, gosh, I'm in a whole other level right now. Can I compete? Yeah. And when I thought about my future, I was thinking, I'm going to use my grades to create opportunities for myself uh-huh. and figure out whatever those were going to be. But I also thought about, okay, I'm in college now. I'm 18 years old. I want to make money, and what else can I do? What can I do in college to make money? So I started a, a T-shirt business. I saw some other people selling T-shirts, and I said, all right, well, what's that about? And I took $400 of my bar mitzvah money, went in the yellow pages. Now you go online, but there was no online right. then. And you're calling around and said, I want to make some T-shirts. And I ordered 100 shirts. There are 400 each. I made... It was a thousand. It was a hundred dollars to ship the shirt, so I made it for five bucks. I went in every dorm. I think there's fourteen dorms at Michigan. I went door to door, and go. I sold my t-shirts. I held them up, and I sold out uh, the t-shirts. And then I bought more. I sold the short sleeve for twelve dollars, mm-hmm. and the long sleeve, which cost me two dollars more, I sold for eighteen dollars. So I was incentivized to buy. And sell the long sleeve T-shirts. Of course, Michigan cold weather climate. Better margin. Yeah. Uh, better margin. But I went to every single floor of every single door. I got That's kicked awesome. out of every single floor. I go out the back and then through the front door. And one of the skills I learn, which I coach and I teach, is the most important skill you could have is a cold calling skill. Yeah. So you just knock on doors and you say, "Hey, I'm Randy. I've got this T-shirt. Yeah. You buy my T-shirt and." People will pay for the T-shirt. Of course, it was a cash business back then. Sure. And you're 18 years old. You want to make some money. And now I have money for pizza and some other things that I wanted to do. Young entrepreneur right there. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. There weren't a lot of them, by the way, on campus back then. It was a lot harder to start a company. Today, you go online, you put on a website. It's basically free. But back then, it it was very, very hard. And there were essentially four of us on campus who were doing this. 
Yeah. And um, three of them are billionaires today. And, Amazing. And really? It, yeah. It, That's it's kind of crazy. That is uh, not how crazy. college went for me, but I'll tell you what. <laughs> yeah, you I wish a, it would have been. We were, you know we, were, we were all tight, by the way. We had the DNA in common, and um, it was pretty cool. It's cool Amazing. to see your friends succeed. Yeah. That's fantastic. It's incredible. And wow. you, your remark, it's, you said it's one of the most important things you teach, the, the cold calling. Cold calling, or, calling selling. Elaborate That's on a that. good one. Yeah. Uh, my dad said something to me when I was younger, and it was very profound. And I'm going to tone it down for actually what his exact language was. Okay. And for all those who are listening today, you can ramp it up to actually what he did say. But he said, if you go up to 100 women and you ask them out on a date, and the first 99 women say no, the 100th person that said yes, you're going to forget about the other 99. Right. And I think the cold calling skill is the same. So you go and you ask 99 people, will they buy this shirt or will they buy this policy or will they invest in this company? And 99 people say no, and you have some kind of a shell around it. You're not worried about it. Yeah, you feel terrible. The first 99, you get depressed. You have to keep going. But when the 100th person says yes, you forget about the other 99. And I think that's the the point there. But I do think cold calling is one of the best skills you can have, no matter what you're doing, no matter what profession you're in. And it teaches you a lot. you got to be really resilient if you're going to go door-to-door knocking, cold calling, all that. I mean, but it's an underrated skill. But the people that possess it is the people at the top of the food chain. Those are the top salespeople in any organization. I mean, salesmanship is such a great skill. Customer service, such a great skill. Like all this, it's almost like a lost art. It just feels like in today's society. But I too grew up in the Yellow Page days. I was, I'm young enough, but old enough to understand that. And it wasn't too far out of my reality. But I remember uh, my grandpa at a young age talking about these same things. And he owned a pharmacy. He never learned to scale or got huge, but he owned a little pharmacy called Dick Rock's Ideal Drugs. And it was in business. Dick Rock's? Dick Rock. His name, his name was Dick Rock. I'm not going to comment on, <laughs> his, on his parents in the, in the mental cruelty of that name. But, it's a powerful okay, name. It's a powerful name. It's, it's not, you, Dick you Rock. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I got to tell you a story about Dick Rock. So my first truck when I was 16, I bought it. I bought it for a thousand bucks, but I bought it. It was a broken down Ford Ranger uh, single cab. And it said on the side of the truck, Dick Rock's Ideal Drugs. And I went to a, a Catholic high school. It was kind of an up, uppity you know, school. Yeah. My parents stretched to get us in there. And my parents didn't have a ton of money. They, they argued a lot about money when, when I was in high school. It was tough times for them. But I did go to this sort of this uppity school that they stretched hard for my education. This is my stepdad and my mom. And, um, but I got this truck when I was 16. And I could not drive this to school. I mean, Dick Rocks, ideal drugs, like bad. So I took this razor blade and I peeled it all off. I got, was getting it all off. And underneath this like creamy white truck was a rusted now, Dick Rocks, I really <laughs> deal drugs. So I'm my smart ass decides to spray paint it white, trying to match the color of spray paint at Home Depot to the side of the truck. And then in the light, it would just gleam. Dick Rocks, ideal drugs. It was terrible, but... Yeah, that was my grandpa's pharmacy. 50 years he was in business. And so much of the stuff, these like one-liners, these things that I'll never forget, they, they really resonate with some of the sentiment that really comes out of your one of your most important lessons, really, about the value of cold calling and being able to sell like on a dime's notice. But it does seem to be one of the singular skills that is a common denominator between most successful people. When you really look at success at large, it's a crucial element. You got to be able to sell, you got to be able to close, and you got to be able to get told no a lot of times. 
So I had the pleasure and the honor of speaking at uh, Draper University around six or seven years ago. Tim Draper, one of the most successful VCs mm -hmm. in history, he invested in Hotmail, Skype, yeah. SpaceX, Tesla, right. so many companies, Coinbase, Robinhood, oh, wow. and he has a university teach um, entrepreneurship and um, one of the assignments that he has for people is they make Draper condoms, and the students have to go out in San Francisco and sell these Draper condoms walking up <laughs> to strangers. So that's a, that's a good assignment. To yeah, don't come wow. back until yeah. you sell all the Draper condoms. Well, that so says I thought, a lot. Wow. So, so I thought, gosh, that's, that's a great exercise. It's uncomfortable. It makes people walking up to strangers to sell these things. Right. And so... My uh, uh, intern program, we have 32, uh, 32 this summer interns. Okay. We had 750 uh, applications this year, and we teach a lot of skills, and one of them is cold calling skills. So mm. I have a company called Sandy. We're creating a Yelp for beaches. We've cataloged over 100 That's categories right. of data from more than 100,000 beaches in 212 countries. Wow. Oh, wow. And social That's media cool. is such an important part of business success right now. You want the free publicity. You want to create these cool videos. Yep. So I said, all right, I want all the interns going out to the beach and cold calling people, essentially going off to people on the beach and doing what I call a sandy dance. Hmm. So that means your job is to do a crazy-ass dance and go up to people who want nothing to do with you and do something wacky. And you do a dance, because if you don't do a crazy dance, they're not going to do one. Mm. And you're going to say, excuse me, I work for this company, Sandy. I, I'm doing a Sandy dance. Can we film you doing a crazy dance? And your goal for every dance is to go up to someone who gets at least 100,000 views for your dance. Wow. And all the interns are first day says, oh, my uh, God, there's yeah. no way. This is my worst nightmare <laughs> on the planet. <laughs> Yeah. And we have a rehearsal in the parking lot of my building, by the way, which is right near uh, Comerica Bank. It's right outside of the bank. So we sit around the parking lot and we go through <laughs> rehearsals. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's people going in and out of the bank yeah. and they're looking at 32 yeah, yeah. interns yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah, yeah. there's 36 of us. That's awesome. And basically thinking, you know, what, is it, what are these crazy people doing? Yeah. And, and it's hard to get out the spilkies, for lack of a better word. You're yeah. self-conscious. You're doing all these things. Worried what people think. You're, of course you're worried yeah. about yeah, people who think. Nature. I mean, you're going up to... Yeah. I mean, would you want some stranger yeah. coming up to you on the beach and saying, <laughs> hey, man, uh, uh, will you do this crazy dance that I can film and use yeah, on your yeah. social yeah, media? Leave me alone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, leave me alone. And so... But it turns out to be the single best exercise of the interns for the entire summer. It changes their life because after oh, wow. a while, they lose their self-consciousness, their fear, yeah. and the ability to over... And it helps the ability to overcome rejection. Yeah, mm. And good. when you look at the end of the summer, I do one-on-ones with all of them, and I say, what was the most important thing you learned this summer? They say there's a ton of things, but the ability, that Sandy Dance thing... That was big. That I... It's profound, actually. It, it, it's profound. It's life-changing to Amazing. people. Yeah. Talk more about this program. This is really interesting to me. What are the range of ages? Of, uh, give, me, give me a rundown of how you work your program. Always interested in stuff like this. Yeah. So when I was a college student at Michigan, I wanted a summer program where I could learn something about a tangible business, learn intangible skills, yeah. and do something that actually adds value. Okay. So I started uh, my summer program around 20 years ago. We started doing wow. one or two for the summer, um, MBA interns. And eventually, I learned after five or six years, they didn't want to do the nitty-gritty work. Hmm. And 
being a successful business person, entrepreneur, you got to do the nitty gritty work. Everyone mm-hmm. loves the stature and success of having so a, a, a great company. But at the end of the day, it's 99% shit work, what yeah. I call. Yeah, and exactly it's 1% right. if you're lucky enough to have a good outcome, you have a good there outcome. But everyone wants a great outcome, mm. right? So good. But, but, but it's all yeah. about the work. And I found that these graduate students were ego-driven, didn't want to do the grunt work. And so I had a guy come to me around 12 years ago, USC, sophomore and he pleaded with me to hire him for the summer mm-hmm. i said no i don't want to do it so he he convinced me to do it and i never looked back no more graduate students i'm undergrads only then i had one or two summer and then three or four during the summer when the sandy thing really took off i said all right i want to do this company for sure and i want to have a larger program we started with five or six one summer and then I realized I have a lot to teach people, and I really want mm. to teach people my lessons. I talk about extreme preparation, which is yeah. my thing, and it's my DNA, and yeah. it really has changed like people's that. lives. It's changed my life. And I said, all right, we're going to expand the program. And so we've built this program. It's a teaching internship. I spend 60 to 90 minutes a day with the interns. We have uh, speakers every week from the CEO and co-founder of Molas, co-founder of Apollo, vice chairman to... Uh, founders of $8 billion companies, cool. venture capitalists, <clears throat> professional athletes with $100, $150 million contracts. It's been super fun. Coaches of You've done this 20 years? Well, I've done it for 20 years, but it really Damn, took off. For, for the last eight or nine years, we've really? had a lot of <laughs> students. We had 750 applications this year. I have lead interns each summer. Uh, come back and run the program the next summer. They awesome. sift all the resumes. I'm interview all these people and they hire, they have green light yeah. power. So I'm not involved in the process at all whatsoever. I monitor the progress sure. and say, where are we in January versus where we are last year? Mm-hmm. We look for 36 <clears throat> interns each summer and it's the only internship program in the world where I know you have 19 year olds hiring their peers with green light so good. and managing their peers. I mean, it's hard as you get involved in life. That is and, impressive. And, you know, you... How empowering. You, you know, you get older in life, you realize you can be 26 years old and managing people 34, yeah. 44, 54, 64. It's a yeah. very delicate, yeah. tough process it's to do. Point. So we teach them as a, as, as a young person how, how to do that. How to do All it gracefully. Of the lead interns, yeah. yeah the lead interns like are, they have a golden... Ticket. That's they cool. have the they got the best summer jobs, Goldman Sachs investment banking internships, McKinsey Bank Consulting. Sure. Because they have things on their resume that no one else in the world has. And yeah. it's, it's been so rewarding for me to make a difference in hundreds of students' lives. I get the most amazing emails from people on a weekly basis these days. I, I learned so much for you. I got this job. Uh, yeah. Because of the lessons I learned to yeah. jump this summer, and it's it's so rewarding for me. Isn't that crazy? I've yeah, always thought yeah. the second you start giving it away and you teach, like that's where like real fulfillment starts showing up. At least for me, because the stuff, the material stuff, started losing value a long time ago. Mm. But the thing that really keeps me going is like the impact. And so to for jump to have a, an incredible program like this, so this obviously carries weight on a resume too for these people. It does. I mean, it's something. people in Los Angeles know Jump. and they, It's all out uh, of L.A., everything? Uh, well, we have students. I think we have 17 uh, schools this summer. <laughs> cool. And so most of the kids come in from uh, not in Los Angeles. They don't live here, so sure. they get housing for the summer. It's a whole summer, though. 
It's 12 week program. Wow. Uh, Is it every day intensive? Eight to six. Seriously. Eight on one, we're having a meeting in my office. <laughs> we send a serious memo a Dude, month in advance. That's we give them 15 hours of work before they start the internship. And we tell them, be prepared because awesome. Randy's going to ask questions that's on the incredible. first day. Tell, so you don't want to be embarrassed. Did you create the curriculum? Well, the, Did you create the curriculum? I created the curriculum. Extreme, but we've improved it every year. Yeah. So we talk about all kinds of things, yeah. what it takes to start a company. We create fake companies. We go through the name, the idea, the financing, friends and family, Series A, Series B. We talk about structural impediments and mistakes people made in terms of founders and relationships and so friendships and how they get it. Seriously. It's, it's, and I've taken all these experience from the real world yeah. with my own companies yeah. and being a venture capitalist and said, all right, what is the best thing and the most valuable thing I can teach them? And at the end of the day, yeah. you teach them tangible lessons, but the most important lessons are the intangible lessons. Because yeah. at the end of the day, mm. everyone can do the work, yeah. right? When you're at some level and you've got all these kids and the grade point averages now are incredible. And by the way, the grade points only matter if you're doing investment banking or consulting or you want to go to law school or something like that. Sure. We don't care about the grade point averages as much. We care about what you're like as people, what your experiences mm. are like, what you're like. Would you want to hang out with that person to have a beer or yeah, have dinner yeah. with that person? But it's really, we talk about the intangibles in terms of how do you shake someone's hand. There's yeah. 14 different kinds of handshakes. Oh, wow. wow. And, and we go through all 14 different wow. kinds, what's wow. appropriate, Can what's not. Can you give not. me an example? I love this. Yeah. Well, you're the rock. Okay. So you're like the rock. I mean, yeah, I've yeah. seen your videos he's a, he's of a the fist, body. He's I mean, a fish shake. Like, yeah, yeah. You a know, hug. I'm a gentle hugger also. I, I, I get nervous around people like you because you get the bone crusher handshake, for example, <laughs> these guys, and you can actually hurt somebody. And someone shook my hand years ago, yeah. and I swear to you, I had to go to a, a doctor because they, they squeezed my hand so hard mm. that it hurt yeah. for around six months. Yeah. So, you know, you got the politician handshake here. Okay. You got the politician handshake where you go and you go like this. You oh, yeah. There a little bit. Yeah, oh, a little yeah. head shake. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A little winky yeah. nod. Yeah. Yeah. You, got, you got the sweaty palm handshake, which yeah. is, Those are weird. You know, oh, yeah. Oh, limp, limp. Those are my yeah, least favorite Where you go soft, weird one. Uh, yeah. Soft, yeah. weird too ones. awkward. Like, get in there. Yeah, yeah. We talk about the eye contact. You have three seconds to make One, a good two, first impression. Three. And you don't want to stare at them, but you awkward. also want to know you can be subservient to that person if you don't look them right in the eye and you start to look down too soon. Mm. And good it really point. ruins from the minute the meeting starts, you're in a different position. Your leverage is going. Leverage. It's not necessarily leverage, but you've, you've decreased your status somehow in yeah, that meeting. I get it. Consciously or subconsciously. Yeah, yeah. I feel that. I noticed that. We talk about tone of voice, posture, and of course, everything comes to preparation. Intangibles, they're the most valuable thing. You're right. And these are the things like savviness is hard to really describe, like an aura and energy that's coming out of someone. It's hard to kind of teach. They're the things that make a difference. But they are, yeah. Highlight. It's what makes someone really special is their ability to like really tone in on that. But just your articulation of these points is interesting because I think this is easy to overlook this stuff. Well, it's sort of like... There are so many applicants now for a great job and so many great people for that same job. It just yeah. takes one micro something to knock you out of contention. And <laughs> here's one for men. You wear a tie to some uh, job interviews. Right. I don't understand why some people have a millimeter of space between the tie and the button. Hmm. There's no excuse for that. So if you're looking at 100 people, and someone doesn't have the ability to look in the mirror and see they have 
even some little space in there, yeah. they're out. Yeah. yeah. Why? Yeah. Because there's 99 other people who look Spot in that mirror me. and are clean and crisp yeah, and yeah. who do that. Yeah. And there's again, value here. Everything is about sales. Yeah. So, and by the way, there are so many people who come in for these job interviews and there's a quarter inch of space in there. Yeah. And it, it's sort of like, don't wear a tie at all if you're going to do mm. that. Mm. Yeah. Have your collar stays. Have the shirt pressed. Again, I get the fact that sometimes shirt costs five dollars to press your shirt, which is insane. Get an iron, go do it. It's worth the five bucks, yeah. mm. right? Because you're spending all that time. <laughs> and yeah. super easy things like this are no brainers. Yeah, this reminds me of making your bed. You know what I mean? Like why to make the bed? You know what I mean? And like for me, I always thought well, I was always OCD anyway, so I had to. I could not leave it like that. But I was thinking if, if the dream situation or opportunity knocks on my door, I want my home to be in order. I want to mm. be absolutely prepared for the worst thing to happen. Mm. Now, this is different. Now, you're going in the marketplace presenting yourself from head to toe, especially in an industry that is obviously snare drum tight. You better have your shit together, right? Mm. But, like, this is another thing that is overlooked, I just feel like, in like in the public school system world that is producing. Is this talked about? Is this even a thing Well, anywhere? Let, let's talk about... Bedrooms, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Not I to like be sexual topic. about no, anything. Like it's not a, a sexual topic. Yeah. It's a great topic. Talk about sex. It's I a mean, good topic. We can talk about sex. You guys want to talk about sex, but podcast is not about sex. But <laughs> how many Zoom interviews or meetings have you guys done? Where's Such the a good bed point. in the background? It's pathetic. It's, it's you see it me, everywhere. The, I mean, I, so pathetic. I, this is crazy. The, I had a podcast. I'm not going to say <clears> who the podcast was with, but it was with a very, very senior person from. Uh, Google had been there when they had 200 people there. Mm-hmm. She was very, very senior. So we had this amazing meeting, and she was very gracious to take the meeting with me. And we're sitting there in her house. I'm sure it was a spectacular house. I mean, imagine if you joined Google pre-IPO. Sure, you've been there yeah. for forever. It's amazing. So yeah. um, she's done well. And we're sitting there in this meeting, and I had four people from my team and her um, and her chief of staff. And her bed is in the background. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting yeah. there thinking, what's going on here? Yeah. How many interviews Something have I right. had with people? I, had a, I, I met a scholarship student of mine who I'd never met before. And <laughs> I paid for a full rise. He's got tuition, board, food, housing. And he's in a dorm room, and his bed is in the background, which is a no-no. You can put up a screen or whatever on Zoom. Mm-hmm. You can put up some sure. background. Mm-hmm. Super similar dude. And not only was a bed in there, the bed was unmade. Yeah, oh, and gosh. so it's my job to coach him, and, and it's fine. He's 18 years old, sure. and, I, and I want to teach people before they get Good into the real world and avoid these low-hanging fruit so get it. catastrophe mistakes. Yeah. Because if that is a job interview for me, and some person has a bed in the background, it's it's not it's yeah. not an out. But if the bed is unmade and they can't see in the mirror what's happening here, that person is out right away. I, I mean, no 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 contention. Mm. Game's over for that, that is person. So true. Like it's it the is. small details that separate you, but it's actually the small deals I, details I think that matter most, and they say the most about you. And especially it's the details you think when no one's looking. They matter. And I, I would just challenge you. There's always someone watching. I mean, I always break it down to even this. Like my grandma, who I adore, who passed away from cancer, like she's 
my guardian angel, she's right here with me. She watches all my shit. I always want to make sure that like I'm honoring mm. that someone's in the room. I act like someone's always in the room mm. and it changes how I make decisions, how I communicate. It changes how I, how I look at really everything in life. But those small details are crucial. Just assume someone's always watching. Whoever's listening out there, just assume the person you admire most is watching all your lies that you're telling, yeah, all your yeah. bullshit that you're telling the world, all that. Like, just consider that yeah. gone. And maybe hope as you make some small decisions, but he's talking about something that most people look right past. These small details about tie and bed being made. He's right though. Like if you want to get up in the 1% like you claim you do, then this shit does matter. You got to keep your house owner. No. And this, I mean, I would say you framed it as, I want you to elaborate on it. Extreme preparation. Yeah, that's a good one. So let's, let's start with the yeah. most commonly asked question in the world. What do you think that question is? What do you do? How are you? How are how you? Are you? Yeah, how are you? Okay. What's the average answer? Good. Right. So <laughs> well is the proper so, one. <laughs> so good is a 3.0. Yeah. Yeah. You want to be a 3.0? <laughs> Hell no. You want to be a 3.0? No. no. Okay. No. No. So way. what's an A answer? Well, you tell me. What's an A answer? Grammatically, I think I'm doing well. Thank you. We're doing well. Oh, it's terrible. That's a 3.3. Oh, That's man. a B plus. Oh, man. I'm phenomenal. I'm outstanding. I'm great. I couldn't be better. Incredible. Okay, and sure. Just good as it gets. From that moment on. I'm phenomenal. From that, I'm phenomenal. Yeah. From that moment on, it changes the direction so and the true. mood you set the of tone. the moon. You just my, set the right tone. out of the gate. My friend at college would always say, I'm living the dream, Maddie. Living yeah. the dream. Living and the, and dream. the moment he said that, right. I, I just brightened up. You, know? you brighten up. Point, yeah. From the very start of any relationship, the worst thing you can do is, I'm okay. Uh, right? That's, that's the a C. That's Who a victim. That's a victim. 2.0, but how many people do you meet? Good. I mean, what about the on these saying, job I'm interviews, good. I'm good. Yeah. Who, who's coaching these people? Yeah, I'm great. Point. I'm phenomenal. By the way, if you're shitty, no one gives a f- <laughs> shit. Do you, do, you have a, do you have a course book or something I can look at? Or I, like I, I'm writing extreme. a book called Extreme Preparation, but this is part oh, this of it. I mean, yeah. how do you start a meeting? Yeah. Any meeting. What about your actual curriculum for your, for your, for your students? Do you have that, something that... Like, that did we I go through, I mean, at the end of the summer, we have the lead interns write a summary of all the things that we talked about this yeah. summer. I would love to just look at your curriculum. I'll, I'll show you, I'll show you, I'll show yeah. you the okay. lessons. I won't but, share with anyone. I but, just want to see because I love this. But it's interesting because you, know, you go through this 12-week program and you know you have a third of the 36 um, interns, they, they go through the motions, right? They want to jump on their resume. They put venture capital intern. It yeah. helps them. So then you get a third who do a little more. Mm. And then you got a third, and it's always a bell curve every summer, who are proactive, they do all the research, they send me memos, they add value of all of these students. And, and it's, it's interesting to see how many students years later take these lessons and indoctrinate them and yeah. how much they make a difference going forward. There's nothing more frustrating than to get a note, oh, I have a job interview at Goldman Sachs. You have any job advice for me? I said, where have you been all summer, yeah. man? Uh, were you listening? <laughs> like, yeah. You know, were you yeah. listening? What, what's yeah. going right. on here? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's, it's those emails I get that I had the job interview at Goldman Sachs. I slayed it because of these lessons. Yeah. And so we go, so through, we go through so many yeah. things like this. So... How to start the meeting. We, we talk about these things. How do you act during a meeting? But it all comes down to 
preparation for every meeting. And that's something I've been coaching and yeah. teaching hmm. since I did it myself and I learned through extreme preparation. It's a new term. It's a term that people don't really talk about. It's going to be the name of my book coming out next year. Wonderful. But yeah. at the end of the day, everybody, everybody is always hiring. That means if Meta just laid off 20,000 people, they're hiring hmm. for somebody like you. Yeah, there's someone out if there. If you can be that. that person, they are hiring yeah. for you. And you'll yeah. want to be that person. And I'm going to tell you something else. It's not that hard to do. It's really not. It's I agree not. with you. It's not that hard to do. It's dumb little tiny things that aren't dumb. They're actually really, really smart. I, yeah, I'm so intrigued a whole book of that. It's like things that you would think are instinct for some. Oh, yeah. some okay, so here's yeah. another one. You have a meeting. Meeting's over. What do you do? <clears throat> you thank them for meeting with How? you. Uh, I w- let me think. Of, I would probably I'd naturally say, no, I'm just being honest. What I'm would I say, man? Like, right? I would say something like, hey, man, it was great to meet with you. I appreciate right, your but, time. But where do you say that? I mean, you say it during the meeting? Uh, when the meeting's closed, you mean? Or? Yeah, like the meeting's over. What do you do? Yeah, um, Matt, what do you do? I don't have a formula, so it's instinct, whatever I do. What do you do? Man, I just love on the person, especially if it was a good interaction. I think my the next this is a job, job interview. So it's a job interview. meeting's over. So this isn't like just a meeting of. Okay, you're, you're, you're a salesperson. You try to make I would a ten say, million okay, job interview. I would, I would say if the job interview were over, I would say I would be very clear. I would, well, I would hope I'd be demonstrating that I'm interviewing them, like a mutual fit exploration, a little bit. And then so I, that's the interesting thing during a job interview. You should be interviewing them as much as they are yeah, you. Yeah, by so the way. people I, don't do that. Yeah, I would have that frame. Like I've been, I've been interviewing them. So I'd probably own it a bit in terms of like, you know, you based on this discussion, I'm really pleased with where we're at. And this is something I'm attracted to. What's the next step? When can I hear from you? I don't okay, know. That's sure. what came to my mind. Okay. So that person walks out of the office. Then what do you do? Uh, As the person that walked write, out? Write them a manual thank you. Send them a message. Okay. Email, so, text. so, okay. Well, there's a Follow range up. of options there. So what do you do? Uh, I'd probably email or text them in today's world. Okay. So what percentage you. of people will do that? You won't text them because you don't have their cell number. I'd, right? I'd send so them whatever send them we've been. I'd send them an email. I appreciate them. Follow up. I yeah. see, I'm what just, did you do? I, I'm thinking of this. So I did the flip on this. I'm thinking me as an employer, the things that I admire and yeah. that I look for in people. Mm. But I love someone that really wants it it's aggressive there's aggressive follow-up you know yeah. what i mean i want it's almost like like i'm looking at some of the things i did where i shouldn't have got what i wanted and the way i got it was being so tenacious like i really want something i just fucking go get it i become indisposable and i'm willing to work for free almost like i've always been able to sort of get in on that way so i'm trying to think what that actually looks like on the flip end because it's rare yeah well tangibly what what would you do tangibly what is the tangible yeah, so that was sent an email what would you do Matt would send an email? Yeah, 99% of people are going to send an email, hunt, by the way. I want to hunt the decision maker down and look him in the eyes and have him touch a part of my soul. Okay, well, the only person you've met is a person you've met with interviewing you. That's so all I got. you do? They had, yeah, so I can't go hunt the person. You can't go hunt that person. You may fail this test, Rock. He's well, okay, yeah, yeah. You're, all, <laughs> you're all going to fail the test because yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. setting you up. Just fail more quickly I'm for that. So. You have an email, too? Fuck That's it. what everyone would do. That's wrong. That's where 98% of people do that. Okay. Right? That's yep. what you're going to get. Yep. My daughter goes to Cornell. The advice they gave is 48 hours for an email. That's the worst fucking yeah, advice I yeah, yeah. I've ever heard totally in my agree. life. Yeah, an hour. An hour max. Okay. Yeah. Send an email? No. Don't send an email. Handwritten note. How many people do that? Less than 1%. Yeah. So what are you doing if you're on a Zoom call and you're in this job interview or sales meeting or whatever? 
Send yeah. an email, right? Yeah. That's normal, right? No! Handwrite. You handwrite and FedEx that letter. Yeah, yeah. For early Ooh, morning delivery. FedEx. How many people Brilliant. do that? Oh, that's point. How oh, many people oh, do that? Twenty dollars to, to FedEx a letter. Oh. How many people do that? Nobody, which yeah, is exactly yeah. why you Extreme should. Extreme prep, man. That person it. who receives a FedEx handwritten letter, you're going to be the only one in the history of their life who has done that, and that right. person is going to remember you for the rest of their life. Could you get oh, away absolutely. with it with, like, flowers? And then you're right, it's not difficult. is not good. Too much. Too it's much. Too weird. Yeah, it's, Too much. It's, it's creepy you, as fuck. You're right. That, that, <laughs> that step. Uh, someone sent me a, a Michigan football once. I mean, he came in for a job interview. That's cool. Bombed the interview. I said, there's no way uh, we're going to hire this guy. So he wrote me this notebook with his little Michigan football cool. and said, I bombed the interview. I know I did. Please give me a second chance. I knew I was going to hire that guy before I met with him a second time. That's cool. Because that's, that's smart. That was good. Not man. a bribe. You could work, you could work with that yeah, person. Yeah, you could yeah. grow and cultivate. But he the, came back. Yeah, that yeah. sensibility. He, he came back. But that thank you letter is key. Yeah. You have an hour to do that's it. That's amazing, man. And yeah. if you're doing it in person, this here's is great one as advice. well. This is such good This advice. is one as well. So, so yeah. you go in there, okay? The prep doesn't start the morning of the meeting, it starts. The night before, For the day sure. before, yeah, right? Agree. You lay out your clothes, you go on Google uh, uh, directions, you find out what time of the day you're going. Mm-hmm. You can specifically put that in, the, the exact time it's going to take you to get there, plus or minus get there one hour before. Right. I say you walk into the office 15 minutes before, hang out at a coffee shop before then. Perfect. You go in and you're there, you show up 15 minutes before, now you're early, that's a check mark, right? You go on, you have the meeting. You're taking your handwritten thank you cards with you before you go to the meeting. You're going to leave, and an hour later, you're going to write that thank you note and drop off that thank you note in person within 60 minutes. Right. How many people in the history of these people's lives have done that? Zero, which is exactly why you should. Yeah, it makes sense. And yeah. it's, it's you leave these impressions with people. It's a people. great way to be different. Separate it, yourself from it, the herd. Yeah, and <clears throat> be, be different. No one does this. This is just low-hanging fruit stuff. It is. This isn't complicated. Yet, yet it's bl- so easy. And I they teach make this kind of difference. Yeah. This little. It, it's easy. Yeah. It's yeah. so easy to do and nobody does it. Again, yeah. which is exactly why. And, you know, you talk to the students. Well, no one does that. Oh, I shouldn't do that. I said, no, you exactly should do that yeah. for that exact reason why no one else does this is, it. Uh, you remind me of, I, I caught an interview with Michael Saylor. you yeah. sure well from Bitcoin. And he was asked a question like, what's the, one of his legacies he wants to leave is like a, a free education. It's kind of a noble aspiration. But the other thing he said is like, I think the biggest thing people need to learn, and he didn't have a quite, quite a way to phrase it. It feels like it's in this domain of what you're talking about. He's like, most people lack kind of like a, and a, a statistical executive functioning know-how instinct to navigate life. It wasn't the acquisition of data or knowledge or it was like these sorts of things. Like, um, yeah, I right. can't remember how he phrased <laughs> it, but he's like, this is the biggest yep. gap for, or, or even how to help people assess a decision or behaviorally. <laughs> to, yeah. It's so, uh, it's not, it's not common knowledge. It's like everyone's yeah. looking for the secrets to life, but so many of the things that matter most are like, they're literally like little tiny tangible things that can start to create momentum in places like that. And they're looking in all the wrong places. First, you got to do this, this, and this, right? Before you worry about this. So I was thinking this, like everyone's always trying to change the world, but they're littered with holes in them. Mm-hmm. Like, why don't you fix you first before you go try to fix the world? This yeah, idealistic sort of. vision of what you need to do to like change the world, but you haven't even figured out how to change yourself. This stuff's even simpler than that. 
that. Like these are little tiny things that could create little wind, little bit of momentum, and that wins. will that yeah. will compound or massive. It could lead yeah. to massive things. Like that one thing you didn't do that like set you back. You just don't know how things compound forward or in the reverse. But a lot of it is small things that may have elevated someone else that maybe wasn't even as qualified as you deep down, but that you'll never know now. You know what I mean? Like these are this is good stuff though to be teaching because mm-hmm. I don't hear a lot of people talking about this in anywhere. So here's another one. My daughter's boyfriend, who's this amazing kid. And by the way, when you say kid, I mean, yeah. we're parents it's, it's now. It's usually 20-something. Yeah. <laughs> You're that old guy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I yeah. still think of myself as a 30-year-old. So I. Yeah, mentally. I get that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he goes to Wisconsin. He's going to job fair. And he pings me, hey, you have any advice for me? And I said, yeah, okay. So what do you want to get out of the job fair? He said, well, I'm going to meet all these companies. There's 70 companies there. I said, okay, um, do you know the names of the people who are going to be there beforehand from these companies? He said, no. I said, of the 70, how many companies would you like to meet? He said, 14. I said, okay. What's the physical structure and location like when you get there? Can you see, do these people wear name tags? Yes. I said, from 10 to 15 feet away, can you read the name tags? Yes. Easy. Are you going to bring one of those leather folders during all these meetings? He said, yes. The resume is going to be in there, yes. I said, if you're bringing 14 note cards, bring 15, because you may mess up on one of them. Okay. Go to a stationery store. Don't be cheap. And if you have no money, think about the time value of money. Right. Mm-hmm. And get a thick card, because the card represents you. You got a thin card, you're flimsy. If you got a thick card, you're solid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So I said, <laughs> can you put and evenly space out these 15 cards in the leather folder so it's not like a softball in the middle. He said, yes. I said, okay, perfect. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to do a drive-by of all 14 companies. You're going to write their names down, and you're going to go into the corner. You're going to take 15 minutes, and you're going to go on LinkedIn and get the resumes of all these people. You're going to write three bullet points for all 14 people down. Hmm. You're going to have information about these people that not that nobody else, had. hundreds of people going to these job fairs, nice to meet you and networking, whatever. Yeah. You're going to blow these people away having three bullet points f- about their background that no one else has. They're going to yeah. ask you, how did you do this? And you're going to tell them the technique, and that's going to blow them off their chair. Yeah, be honest. It'd be great. Right? No one's doing it. No one's doing <laughs> it. Okay. Part two is you're then going to write, pre-write these thank you notes. 80 to 90% of it, it's going to be the same. You can pre-write these. And you're going to time every one. And you're going to write the handwritten thank you notes. You've got 60 minutes or less to hand these thank you notes back. Hmm. And your success rate is going to be very high. Hmm. What was his win percentage of the 14? 100%. Why wouldn't it be? It was a fait accompli before he even stepped foot into the job fair. It says so much about you. a sticky book idea. It's, yeah. it's so easy to do, by the way, and people don't do yeah. this, yeah. right? Do things that other people haven't done before. Think creatively. Yeah. Yeah. Don't listen to people. Well, this is how it's done. Yeah. This is how my yeah, yeah. college tells me what to do. The 48-hour rule is just absurd yeah. on its face. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
Oh, this is a good topic. Standing out. Yeah. Yeah, Standing know, out. Be different. Yeah, yeah. You really are pinpointing some things that are just not talked about. They're not. I mean, colleges don't teach this. And our mm. summer program is designed to add more value than four years of college. And right. You some see, of these students are, are spending $300,000 a year. I mean, yeah. my daughter goes to Cornell. I think the tuition is $82,000 yeah. before you even touch the service of living expenses, housing, uh, and yeah. Daily life and and these these techniques really matter and they make a huge difference yeah. in people's lives, which is one of my missions. I was researching a a, a, to, a, a topic for this, this speech that I just put together. I ended up speaking for five hours. It was a long format. It was a long day. You're a great speaker, by the way. <laughs> Appreciate you, man. He Thank is. you so much. He's an amazing speaker. Yeah, he's got a certain you. presence and he's very articulate. He's, got a, like, he's, he's vulnerable. Yeah, honest. Got a great straight, skill. Yeah. Well, thank you, man. But um, I came, we just came across just a lot of alarming statistics, really about like dream achievement in general, right? And there was a, a study by a group called the Wealth Research Group that said really like world, this is a worldwide statistic, but 98% of people that live on this planet are going to die without achieving their dreams. And it really just spoke to people are going to get nowhere near their greatest potential. And sort of as I was articulating all these points, like looking at all these hard stats, especially in America, it's like, it was really sad how many people just get nowhere near their greatest potential. Trying to understand, like, for me, it's this, I've always been in pursuit of the next version of myself. Like, I always feel like it must be na- natural in people, right? And in my circle, it is kind of, but I'm, I feel like I'm far away from the people that aren't after achievement. What is this thing? Like, if you, if, if, if you guys all had to pinpoint your reason of what do you think hold, is holding people back the most? In life. Fear. Fear. That's fear a good or failure. One. Fear, yeah. People let fear just stop them and they don't ever do the thing. Yeah, their fear of rejection. Being, their, their fear of failure, their fear of embarrassment, they're what people afraid think. to go through all the effort and not have something in return. They're fearful of money. They don't have money to start the company. Fear. They're insecure. Yeah. They have yeah. imposter syndrome. Yeah. I mean, we can keep going on, on this. But fear but they, covers it all in a big I, sense. I think fear and fear of a failure. I mean, we're all afraid of failure. I mean, I've had yes. 60 people on my show and I think 50 of them have all said, yeah, we fear failure. Some yeah. of them said, no, I don't fear failure. And I'm not cut of that cloth. I mean, we all... Yeah, it's rare, though. You know, you're... And, and I think as you become successful, you've had some success, and you do something new, we're all self-conscious about it, right? You don't want to fail because everyone's looking at you and saying, hey, mm, you sure. know, they've had some success. And you know this is too. You've been extremely successful. When you're very successful, not everyone's that happy for you. Yeah, good point. You know, they're rooting for you to fail. Yeah. I mean, they're envious or jealous. That should be me. Yeah. I'm better than Eric. Yeah. Uh, and, and I have a people lot of that as well. People close to you, yeah. Yeah, some people. I mean, you really friends. learn who, who your friends are Yeah. at the end of the day. It's funny. The people that root me in, uh, the, the most on, I would say, are way above me. And they're the ones that are like, we want to know everything about what's going on with me. They have so many questions. They have advice for me. They want me to, I want you to meet this person. They're sending me decks and DMs. It's just really cool that like oftentimes your biggest cheerleaders are the ones that have achieved like things that are, you know, much greater than yourself. That's cool though. You know what I mean? Like it means you're in the right company. People should be cheering you on. And I cheer people on. I love seeing people win. I get off on it. I think it's it's the most fun thing is for me to see people I care about win. But you don't feel that back all the time. You You just don't. don't. Unfortunately, you you said something, you made a little quip earlier that uh, regarding this fear piece, but you said it's one of my missions in life. I was just thinking as you guys are discussing this fear piece, I think the absence of like a meaningful mission, vision, yeah. deep sense of purpose that would clarity that would justify the willingness 
to risk or the willingness to get disapproval or the willingness to struggle. That helps you, right? And I, yeah. And I, even right before we hit record on this podcast, you'd made another little quip, Randy, about, a, and you mentioned, you know, I can't remember if it was personal or business, but enhancement of life and business. And you mentioned, what is your mission? I mean, this show, Man yeah. on a Mission, yeah. how would you characterize your, your personal or your business mission in life? Yeah. My one. mission in life is to make a difference in people's lives. And at the end of the day, I want to make a difference in 100 million people's lives. There you go. For, for the positive. Amazing. And I have no idea how I'll ever measure that. Yeah. But I think as my show, and it's gaining a lot of steam right now, it yeah. you know, takes a while. For you've, sure. You've seen this as yeah, well. Yeah. 100%. Um, it's as more and more people hear the mission. And my goal, just like you guys, is to have amazing guests on your show who share stories about their life. We've all had yeah. so many failures. Yep. And so at many. the end of the day, everyone in life has had failures. So it's how yeah. do we come and get past our failures on our path to success? How do we motivate ourselves to be successful? What motivates us? And hearing the stories of successful people, because everybody on my show has struggled. Mark Cuban slept on the floor, no electricity. Yeah. Car on the side of the freeway, no car, no nothing. I mean, lights turned off, and you see Mark Cuban, the owner of the Mavericks yeah, and Shark Tank, it's a good story. And, and people really don't don't know the story behind mm. Mark Milat, one of your mentors. Yep. Same thing. I mean, he was showering in a public shower because he, he had, had a fake car. Left. I've never heard anyone that has literally. Yeah. He put magnets on his car that made it look like a different model car, like a Mercedes. It wasn't a real Mercedes. It was like a Toyota that he made look like a Mercedes. And one time he was telling a story, he gets pulled over and he was following all his work partners at his financial firm or company that he worked for were following him up to some big meeting. He was sort of leading the charge. He got pulled over by a cop. So everyone kind of pulled off the road with him and a cop went and smacked the door, kind of just put his hand on the door and the whole door panel fell off in front no of all, in front of all his so coworkers. Funny, it's a, no it's a, it, funny so you can imagine someone that's trying to fake it. You know what no I mean? No way. Love totally. that. So but, true though. But you know, I'm, I'm, I'm up there in uh, Coeur d'Alene for the summer and I'm hanging out and we yeah. have this, we're at this nice resort, uh, nice uh, residential complex where we have a home and I'm hanging out at the, there's a place on property called the Tree Bar. Yes. For it's a place, bar. Yeah, yeah. In the middle of a bunch of trees, we were there yep. uh, about cool a week place. ago. Yeah. Amazing place. Yeah. This kid comes up to me, and he says, his name is uh, Connor. Shout out to Connor. <laughs> and he says to me, um, I recognize you from your podcast. I absolutely love your podcast. It's oh, made a amazing. Amazing difference in my life, and here's how. He said the David uh, Rubenstein podcast, That's cool. which is how he found me. He said, your preparation you've done is beyond what I've ever thought of, and it's made a huge uh, a difference in my life. This guy got a meeting with Jamie Dimon wow. and J.P. Morgan, which is impossible yeah. to wow. get. And he starts impossible. going through. It's impossible. By applying your preparation. But by yeah. applying the preparation and the motivation for my podcast. That's I mean, cool. I, what he's, a testimony. he's telling me this. What and I'm, I'm, I'm almost tearful. I mean, yeah. I was trying, you know, he's 22 years old. Yeah. He just graduated from uh, Santa Clara. And, and it's, there's nothing better yeah. Then when someone comes up to you, whether you know them or not, but particularly, yeah. I mean, this happened four times, by the way. Right. Mm. So I have no idea who's listening to my podcast. Mm. I see the stats. Yeah. I'm glad it's growing and I'm, I'm pumped about that. But you got four random people coming up to me that you've changed their lives forever. Yeah. That's what uh, it's all about, man. Summit. I mean, that's yeah. just the greatest thing ever. And that's, that's the reason you do your show. That's the 100%. reason I do my show. Yeah. It's to make this world a better place yeah. and to make a difference in people's lives. I would encourage our audience to go search his 
his show out in search of excellence. There's some great guests. He, I guess I would dream to have one day we'll get there, but mm. you've had some amazing interviews. Yeah. You really have. Can you, very do you mind saying some of the names and maybe some of your favorite interviews? Cause this, uh, is, a, yeah, this is a cool yeah. topic too. <laughs> well, I, I definitely am not going to say favorites because, uh, so look. many of them are, are incredible, but, yeah. Um, I launched my show with uh, Sam Zell, who invented the modern read, who unfortunately passed away mm-hmm. around four months ago. He was a mentor to me. And oh, I'm sorry, man. Yeah. Yeah. God bless his soul. Sorry, man. Sorry. Um, but I've, I've had some great guests on the show. <laughs> we had... Um, Mark Cuban, Sharon Stone, who was at one point the most famous movie star in the world. I've had Tim Draper, one of the most successful VCs in the world. Um, I had Mike Tyson on my show a few months ago. Um, I've had so many amazing people. It's just hard. I've got Mike Pompeo coming up, former Secretary of State, uh, Director of the CIA, Steve Aoki coming up. Oh, Steve. Floyd Mayweather. Uh, Martin Luther Great. King III. That's cool, man. CEO of Marriott. But I've, what are you going to ask Floyd? What am I going to ask him? <laughs> yeah. I got a lot of questions That's for Floyd. That's a personality. <laughs> I, I don't but, think there's another personality in the world like Floyd Mayweather. But it's been great. Yeah. Kevin O'Leary, Damon John. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're, they're all so famous. They, yeah. they all have amazing stories where at some point, we've all had some event, some fulcrum event where it could have gone... Mm. South, it could have gone mm. north, and they had some major event in their life that motivated these people to yeah. succeed. Right. Sammy Hagar was on my show. Love Sammy. Uh, his uh, YouTube video. Uh, he should come to Gaza. I think where, he'd enjoy Gaza. Yeah. yeah. I got him through my buddy Miles Scully, who's a partner uh, in his company called Santo Tequila. Sammy Hagar was the OG in the uh, tequila space. He was the first yeah, celebrity to create a, a tequila brand, Cabo Wabo. they're all doing it. Yeah, that was Cabo a good Cabo Wabo. He sold the company for $93 million yeah. wow. 20 years ago, which wow. is that's a, that's a, a shit ton of money I remember back that. Now. I remember that, yeah. Um, these stories, I mean, Sammy lived in... Cabo? Um, Orange Groves. Oh. His, uh, um, father... Um, abusive, living in his car with his mom and his three mm. siblings. Um, these stories that I get from my guests are just so inspirational. They're they're incredible. Um, I've had Milet on my show. I had Milet. Uh, John Gordon's been an amazing guest. John's great. Damon West has been on my show. One of the greatest stories of all time. I hope you Is listen to Damon guy? West. Damon West was a was a high school superstar, D1 quarterback, had everything going for him, worked on Wall Street, took meth one day. Oh, that's right, yes. He did go to prison. Addict. Uh, yeah. Robbed Holmes was a famous yeah. burglar before he got caught. Flashbang through the window. Yeah. U.S. Marshal Service sentenced to basically life in prison, I think, yeah. 70 year sentence. Yeah. I Came out of prison and has done so much good. Wrote He's a, a book with dude. John Corden called He's going to do this Bean. podcast. Coffee He's going to do on the yeah. show. One of the great I love books that story. of all time. I tell that story a lot, one, actually. One of the great books uh, of all time. Yeah, it was good. I will encourage you all to listen to the podcast because I don't want to tell you about the coffee bean. He's we got will. a lot to say about it. Mm. But just hearing these stories about people in life, Mike Horn swam down the Amazon River with no motor, uh, motorized transport. Whoa. Mm. 
Incredible. That's I mean, incredible. I mean, it's risky. It's, it's risky. <laughs> held at gunpoint by these tribes. Wow. Drug dealers. I mean, bitten by a snake, nearly died. I mean, these stories oh, wow. of people are just, just incredible. Yeah, I mean, storytelling, isn't it powerful? Storytelling I, is very, very, very powerful. And, and we've all, we all have something to share. Whether you have a podcast or you don't have a podcast, yeah. we all have something to contribute to life. What uh, I'd love to just pick, I love how your mind works, Randy, in terms of just extreme preparation. Like, tell us a little bit about your own thinking when you prepare for a guest or, or yeah. you know, taking on this. Yeah, give you, us don't, some. you don't seem like, yeah. a, you don't seem like, like the temperament who would take on any project lightly, right? No, I don't. You I don't. Like you so. My goal is to be the best at whatever yeah, I do. Yeah, tell us I, some I fail your, miserably so many times, but that, that's my goal. Yeah, tell us your thinking. It's like, so goal. you're taking on this season of your life, your pot. It's kind of a, it's a really neat pivot to hear you talk about in terms of your accomplishments and the joy you get out of, even off, off interview, you were talking about a gentleman you coach who reached out to you and, but I'd love to hear how you think about taking on this task, like interviewing these people. What's, where does your mind go? Your preparatory mind? My mind goes, I want to be the most prepared person they've ever met in their entire life. And that's the advice I give to all of my mentees. Yeah. Yeah. Going to every meeting is the most prepared person that someone has ever met. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in my podcast, 99% of my guests have said that I'm the most prepared person that yeah. they've ever met. And this goes from my lad to Eric Garcetti, the mayor of Los Angeles, the mm. current ambassador to um, India, to David Rubenstein. These people have spoken thousands of times. And it's a great compliment. And the interesting thing is when you do the research, yeah. the interviews, whether it's a podcast, a real-life meeting, you establish a connection that is different and unique. Yes. And they have great respect for you. Yeah. And the meetings go better. And the podcasts go a lot better. Yeah, so we can go yeah. a lot deeper than yeah, people yeah. go, All and we often do. Yeah. And as much as I may have cried on this interview, I've had six of my guests cry. Mm. Um, not that I'm trying to, but sure. going into going into the podcast, I know more about them, and, and a lot of them have said, you know more about me than I know about me. <laughs> and I've, I've heard that around 11 or 12 times now. That's and it's, it's just a great way to be. I spend a lot of time preparing for my podcast. That says uh, so 22 many. hours on average for each podcast. Wow. That is amazing. I mean, you're, it's such a testimony that, to that age old saying, like, how you do one thing is how you do everything. It's true. Like, you're, this is a man from, from selling those t shirts yeah. in Mech or in Michigan yeah. to now. It's just, it's not surprising. And you tapped into something that I've been preaching a lot lately, too. But, like, just for people that are out there considering, like, the, the outcomes of how they want their life to look, is like, why wouldn't you want to be the number one at something? Like, Randy prepares yeah, already, to be the number you're one. He's standing on he's the gonna, summit. Yeah. He's willing to go the distance and give the repetitions it's going to take to be number one, but he prepares like the number mm -hmm. one. So, I challenge everyone always with this thought is like, what, what kind of life would it be if you weren't trying to be the best at something? Well, being, being the best is a great goal, but for some people it's intimidating to do that. But in terms of the preparation front, I hear so many people say, send out a thousand resumes, a uh, hundred resumes. That ain't okay. It. You're doing it wrong. That ain't it. Okay. Yeah. So I encourage people to think about preparation in a new way that new they totally haven't thought way. about before yeah. is you're doing more work up front and it's actually way less work at the end of the day. Yeah. Send a cover letter, do research, right. Google. And by the way, I talk about coaching page 47. Page 47 means 
there's 47 pages of Google results, you read all 47 pages of Google results, uh, results. Because at the end of the day, the results and the information you learn on page 47 could be very different and have factoids that no other there you go. There's the review gold. Or, or has, has Touched on. mentioned before. And they're yeah. going to ask you, how'd you get that yeah. from some piece that yeah, happened 20 yeah. years Next. ago, 10 years ago? Yeah, right. You don't know you, you, why it's sitting back there you, at page 47. Right. You probably can have the capacity to see it because you've read 46 pages, too, or appreciate the nugget. I, like I it would go over somebody's health. By the yeah. way, the little nuggets matter. If you're preparing something, you said, oh, sales were up 17%. That's impressive when you're in a meeting. Yeah, what about 17.47%? There's even better. <laughs> even better. <laughs> Who lazy. does that? Yeah, nobody, nobody, which is exactly yeah. why you should. Right. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Right? Yeah. I mean, let, let's get to the decimal point. Are your you progeny like you? Are your kids like you? Do they have? <laughs> you know, I bet you. So let me, let, me, hey, let, me turn this, let me see if this means anything. You're a dad, yeah. and, you know, it's like it's like when you tell your kids something, it's like, okay, whatever. When well, someone even, else tells your kid the same advice, yeah. oh, yeah, that's good yeah, advice. Yeah, yeah. That's so true. Let me, let that's me true. challenge even you. Even Randy can't. Let me challenge yeah. you with a piece of information that maybe. They're listening to me more and more now. The Mark Twain quote, I thought, yeah. Let me ask you. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Eric. Let me ask you while it's fresh on my mind before I lose it to like maybe try to pair up with you a little bit. Tell me about karma. Karma is my dog's <laughs> name. Oh, oh not, the, not the Eastern concept. No, no during, just the dog. During the Only he would know what I mean. Okay, during yeah. the job interview process, I believe you got to prepare. Right. Yeah. And like all of us, we're very busy. Yep. And when someone gets a meeting with me, they've usually gone through one or two steps before this with my team. And I ask people to do a bunch of work. We have a team of a uh, small team. You got to have the right DNA to work with me. Okay. So we give them a bunch of work, 10 hours of work. If they don't want to do the work, they're not going to meet with me. And, and, and you have to get through two steps before that. Okay. Right. So I asked them to you know, tell me what you think about Sandy, Jump Investors, my podcast, a company called Color Car that I run. And then we give them some other things to do. And if I like it, then I'll meet with them. First question I asked, well, not the first one. One of them is I say, what's my dog's name? My dog's name is Karma, and it's on my website. <laughs> so if they don't know my dog's name, yeah. the meeting is yeah. over yeah, right yeah. then and there. So yeah. we're good. Because it's right there in front of you. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> we did our homework. Well, well let me enough, ask, can I, you triggered a question. Like, uh, <laughs> and these, are, these might be, this might be a page 47 know. discovery. I haven't read 46 pages about you. Uh, but the, there's, uh, there's only like <laughs> three, eight, <laughs> yeah, 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 okay. or eight, eight results or something. But speaking like of karma, like what would you, how would you characterize, um, like, and I think one thing we've lost in today's world is uh, the capacity for pe for people to speak freely about either faith, spiritual, or political topics, like. Because everybody, the moment you're asked a faith question, you're like, well, shit, I'm going to alienate 47% of people right. are going to disagree with me, all those right. things. Yet, nevertheless, we all want to hear it. And we, we appreciate when people are earnest about that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, how would you frame, you know, your, 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 where do you, your cosmology of faith or your spiritual orientation? How would you, it's almost not really answerable in, in, yeah. in a truly philosophical sense. So I don't, I know it's not a soundbite answer, but. I've really enjoyed your mind today and your yeah, heart. Me too. And, and then yeah, you, I, and awesome. I, I wanted to, so I, and then I was like, oh, I want to learn like more about your you mentor. Dinner with him, huh? No, your mind, you could just tell a mind that like, it's I'm great. already wanting to read your book and all that. Yeah. But now I'm like, I'd love to hear you talk about that. Like, or how it's maybe evolved in your life. Like yeah. where you fall in, in, uh, 
that philosophical, cosmological, right. spiritual. We're Jewish, and I was yeah. raised Jewish. I was yeah. uh, bar mitzvah. My kids were bar and bat mitzvah. Hmm. I'm not a religious Jew. Yeah. I'm not sure I believe all of the readings. Yeah. Uh, but I love the culture. So we do Shabbat dinner on Friday oh, nights. Nice. Most of the time we light the candles, we say the prayers, yeah. and it's just something that I enjoy yeah. doing. Practicing, yeah. Um, I wouldn't call myself a very religious person because I'm not. In terms of faith, I say prayers yeah. every morning and at night when I go to bed and gratitude. I think gratitude is so important in life. Yeah. And I do a lot of reading and I read a lot of self-help books and something that I've done recently, I try to take a a gratitude walk. John Gordon talks about this. And I think it's, it's very helpful to be appreciative of all the things that we all have in life. And Mm -hmm. no doubt some of some people in life have a much, much tougher time than the rest of us have. And we're sympathetic to those things. But I think at the end of the day, if you, you try to have the right mindset about being grateful for what you have, and you have to build on every little thing that you have, micro step, micro step, micro step. But in terms of politics, on my show, we don't talk about politics. I mean, I, I yeah. took a boat over here to meet with you guys, and you know, someone said, Oh, you know, what are you going to Court Lane for today? Going to town, I said, Doing this podcast, and what about your podcast? You know, who, who are your guests? And said, I'm doing Mike Pompeo on Friday, and he said, Oh, well, do you like my, you know, what about his politics? I said, um, I'm interested in hearing about Mike Pompeo. The man. And it doesn't matter to me whether he likes Donald Trump or he doesn't like uh, Donald Trump. That is not what my show is about. I'm interested in learning about Mike Pompeo. We've had some guests on my show who definitely have strong political views. It happens. I don't want to get into those conversations. And yeah. at my own uh, dinner table with my kids... Uh, mm. My son is 19. My twins are 21. It is a lively conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's not that pleasant. Yeah. And sucks, they have huh? divergence. Of, I, I mean, it that. sucks, but you encourage your kids to be who they are. They yeah. have different views. Their views yeah. don't have to be mine. But just definitely politics not mine. can it's be so jarring. Politics are, are it's yeah. just, it's you know, sometimes Cut I just throat. say we're not talking about this. It didn't tonight. used to be that way. Yeah. I feel like politics used to be have like articulate debates or really about policy and about how to move things forward in a more efficient manner. But now it's like it's an it's a no no at, at the dinner table because there's so much like vitriol that's it's somehow I don't know how this happened but it that's, happened. That's an aspiration. You, you're farther along in the father track than me, but um, my aspiration would be like I hope I can create an environment where I obviously have a I have a hope they they lean a certain direction or see the world I for mean, sure. But I that they're emotionally safe and above all to have the courage to to be honest and straightforward with 100%. a point of view. And know that at the end of the day, the friendship or the family bond, like, and I think that's a matter more of things like integrity. Yeah, that but debate used to be fun, right? Can you yeah. create that in your yeah, boys and I, your no, four I boys? Want, I hope there's an Quality environment debate. where they have the courage yeah. to be themselves, fully individuate. But but yeah. it's this is a hypothetical when it's your your actual. Yeah. The actual is a lot more hard to emotionally yeah. manage. I would well, imagine. It, but, it, yeah, it, yeah. In it, society has definitely changed, and like you know the the whole the whole culture of woke and like that whole topic. It's such a, a controversial topic now, and and I wonder like just the media in general. I'll just speak for this one point. You know, you you think about education system, you think about pop culture and like Hollywood, really, and you think about uh, media. It it pr- does control the flow of information. And so I just wonder, are the cards stacked up against young people to where they're supposed to be thinking a certain way? And there's a lot of control that's really being stripped out of the parent's hand. 
Um, these are, I think, it's, questions it's that are worth asking for mankind. I mean, yeah, well, it's it, worth it, asking. It's different what does for this us, leave? right? Because I'm 54 right now. Yeah. You guys are yeah. not 54. You're yeah. younger than me. You look great. But yeah. well, thank you. <laughs> I mean, good for you. <laughs> but 54 it's, uh, is a new 25, man. Let's be honest. It's, um, Fuck, who cares? By the way, Mike Roizen is my next guest on my show. Who? Uh, Mike Roizen, Chief Wellness. Um, doctor at the Cleveland Clinic, and oh, cool. he said the awesome. new my partner uh, goes the there. new ninety is the current forty. Awesome. So we'll talk about is longevity. he a longevity guy? He's a longevity oh, guy. I love this topic. He, yeah. He's brilliant. we talked about but, it, though. but it's different today than it was back when I was it is. growing up. I yeah, mean, we live in a cancel culture. Yeah, you're afraid to say one wrong word, and people just jump mm-hmm. on you and yep. you know i have these summer um interns i've got my own kids and yeah my kids say dad you can't talk like that yeah. and i said talk like what and you think nothing <laughs> of something yeah, and right. and um you don't even think about something that could be inappropriate in today's world there's no negative intention or thought things today are just different so it's we're political. living in a world right now where people are afraid to speak their mind yeah. speak their mind or say one word and, and it's it's very tough i tell tough. people don't talk about politics at work period because at the end of the day you're going to piss somebody off it's not worth and it and people are so divided today you love biden you hate biden you love trump yeah, you yeah. hate trump and by the way you could you could hate biden but your boss could love biden I mean, it's the, yeah. you, you never know who's yeah. going to, yeah. where, where people are. So just don't talk about controversial topics in the workforce. There's no upside there whatsoever. In well, fact, it, it can hurt you badly. I think where it's gone too far is now the American flag can be perceived as something that's hateful and bigotry. And it's like no more national, like patriotism. It's getting, it just seems like we're getting to a place where like, well, yeah. where does this end? The, it's getting further and further to a place a where... I mean, like, this is me talking about, but the West is in decline. Or Well, yeah, yeah. let's see. How old is America? What, 300 years old? I mean, it's not that old in the big scheme of things. When you think about history and European history, it's a different... It takes on a different meaning, but freedom is a unique thing, and it's very new. Freedom hasn't been around that long. America was just simply an idea. It was something totally different. No longer did you have to be born into a situation like where monarchs are born. It's interesting to think how long does it survive and does history repeat itself? And like these are just interesting questions to ask. And are we yeah. are we getting further away from that or closer to it? I, I don't know how you look at it. But at the end of the day, this is why I think good people should step up to the plate and at least step up and just you know say, all right, here here's here's what truth looks like. We pose this question to John Gordon back to your point about yeah. it's never good. Yeah, we idea. did. It was and, good. He, and, had and, he, had a, he had a he had an insightful answer because it's 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 reckless to be uh, cavalier and just <laughs> in any old workplace. But he he said he brought it to a matter of discernment. He just if he felt led to take a stand for such. Yeah, which hill do I want to die on? Because you could die in a hundred hills a day. It, yeah, he doesn't want to die in all um, of them, but he'll pick his hills. Yeah, I thought that so was a good I thought that answer. was a good answer. You know, ultimately, whether, whether to utter a message or take a stand or anything, that's a deep, contextual situational discernment it's not well, in his industry to just yeah he, he's got to be careful he could yeah. get canceled yeah. so quickly like, yeah, so, yeah. so where does the truth for you like where do you draw it's for? drawing the line are you going to stand up and say some or like but you know he picks his battles yeah we encourage courage freedom individuality and at the end of the day, we're living in a world right now where you really have to catch yourself and think about it before you even open your mouth. Yeah. And I think it's it's true. It's um, 
different in many ways. It's very sad rather than encouraging conversation. Um, I see so much discontentment and fighting and it's hatred. It's yeah. Hatred is a good word. I mean, it's a terrible word, but no, I get what you're saying. It's it's accurate is what you're saying. It's It's accurate. Yeah. Yeah, but again, like I again, like there's certain things that are. I like like the rocks approach, not me the rock, but the real rock. You are the rock. Yeah, with <laughs> the new rock, yeah, yeah. rock two point oh. If, yeah, if yeah. politics could be thought of like a sports coach, like think about like the the best D one school in the country, like how that coach is bringing that team together. Yeah. They're Jim Harbaugh, you're talking about Jim yeah, Harbaugh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. who I do it. Future podcast guest, awesome. by the way. I'm oh, in search nice. of That's awesome. But yeah. sports is He's a great. Is too, a, yeah. I think it's a great way to look at it. Winning and losing is something that I think it should not be controversial like thinking about sort of like winning the rock doesn't he doesn't really speak a political point of view but the main point is is like everyone gets behind his message about work hard winning 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 like you know doing the work with no one's work yeah. hardest worker yeah. in the room that's safe, his motto right topics, yeah. and he brings in a whole bunch of people that are all like yes 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 the second he puts a political thing out he cuts those that audience in half but he stays to one message that really is good for the whole movement of like not being a victim. That's what, if you think about what the rock is preaching, he's preaching, don't be a victim all through his actions. And it's not controversial because he keeps it under a light that attracts everybody. And that might be a better approach to try to, to fight back against the things you don't like in society is get people chasing their dreams, get them going after the best version of themselves and stay in that lane because it's a good lane to stay in and you're still making a difference. You're still challenging and people, right? And in private right? one-on-ones, there's, there's, there's a time and place for certain messages. Yeah, that's different. Once trust is built, yeah. Yeah, but he, you know, he purposely chooses that not to use big voice box, you know what I mean? He, mm-hmm. he doesn't use his platform to do that. He stays in the lane that you know, has good output and has good outcomes. Mm-hmm. And so that's also something you can learn from. But definitely, like, when good men do nothing, I feel like evil does yeah, triumph. At the same time, and if you you're know? in the need of someone standing up. Yeah. But again, most people aren't. They're just consuming. They're not creating anything. All they do is they get mad at the TV, and eh, they're not doing anything. Like So I always challenge people, become a creator. If you don't like something, go out and change it. Go mm. out and win in life. Mm. That's the best kind of revenge anyway. You know what I mean? So one of the things that yeah, totally many people misconstrue is you have to be successful to give back and that's absolutely 100% false. Love this. Mm-hmm. So when I was 27 years old I had the great benefit and luck of creating a charity event for a nonprofit law firm called Bedside of Legal Services in Los Angeles um, and people said 27 year olds don't create charity events. I said well Watch sure me. they do. Yeah. Watch me. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I had an idea for a charity concert okay. at a concert venue called the House of Blues, which was a cool venue Love House Blues. in Los Angeles. Yep. And I called the CEO 10 times, Greg Trojan, and didn't return my call. And finally, I said, I'm coming in for a meeting. And I took <laughs> That's awesome. the executive director of Betsetic, David Lash, who went in for this meeting. And he said, yeah, I've heard the pitch. You'll never sell out. I said, oh, yeah, we will. And so he charged us. Uh, we had our concert on Tuesday night, the first event. It's an event uh, night where they're closed. I think we paid $22,000 for the venue. Right. Then we had to guarantee them another $20,000 in food and beverage because they have all then. the staff. So yeah. a shit ton of money. Yeah. Especially for a 27-year-old, any 27-year-old. That's, that's a commitment. Yeah. Well, so I, I didn't even have a planning committee yet. <laughs> so I just had this idea for a concert. And 
uh, Dave and I went in there together, and we went out to the. And so I said, "Okay, Don, we'll do that." And David and I walked out in the parking lot, and he said, "All right, you're either going to make me look really bad and get me fired, or you're going to make me look like a hero." <laughs> yeah. And at that point, I said, "All right, let's go to some friends, and we'll invite 30 people to be on a planning committee, and we'll go sell tickets to summer uh, to law firms." Uh, students who are working there for the summer. And the plan was a spoke distribution model. We had four chairs, including me. Yeah. And we had a planning committee of 30 people, including the second gentleman, uh, Doug Emhoff, was on our first planning committee, mm. married to Kamala Harris. Mm. And we sold out the House of Blues. And I, I'm just going to tell you, one of the greatest moments of my life was sitting on the... <laughs> Mm. Uh, standing on the rail of the balcony at the House of Blues in mm. Los Angeles, just seeing this place packed, yeah. dancing to cool. the Boogie Nights wow. disco cover band, just going crazy and saying, wow, this is something we can all do. We can create, we can make yeah. a difference. That event, our first year raised $96,000. And in year three, we had, and the venue holds 900 people. And year three, we had 1,800 people. The fire marshals <laughs> came and closed yeah. it down. Wow. And the event now is in its you know, 26 years, something like that. Amazing. I ran it for 10 years. But it's you passed a down the torch? Passed down the torch. There's the, one of the qualities of being a good leader is find your replacement yeah. who mm -hmm. can be a leader. And said that a lot of times. I'm very proud about that event. Um, and I think we can all make a difference regardless of what position you are in totally life. Totally agree. I, I was a lawyer. I, I, was, I had left the practice of law. I was at... Uh, Sun America in a non-legal position and said, I'm going to do this. And I want to create this. And um, it's been one of the most reward, one of the most rewarding things that yes. I've done in my life. And one of the things I'm most yeah. proud of in my life, but everyone should give back. It doesn't matter whether your stature, your economic status, whatever, you can all volunteer, you can all do better. So we all have true. ways we can improve 100%. how we live, how people live. And giving back is just so important. And people yeah. say to me, what's the best thing that you have done in your life? It's not about making money for me. It's about making giving a difference away. and giving back. And there's yeah. such an amazing feeling when you can contribute time or money and make a difference in people's lives. Yeah. And I think that's what it's all about at the end mm -hmm. of the day. All right. That was an amazing conversation with Randall Kaplan. To learn more about him, check out some of his amazing guests. His podcast is called In Search of Excellence. Remarkable interview. I know I'm already eager to consume his forthcoming book. So check it out. Most people aren't, they're just consuming. They're not creating anything. All they do is they get mad at the TV. They're not doing anything. Like So I always challenge people to become a creator. If you don't like something, go out and change it. Go out and win in life. That's the best kind of revenge anyway. I've had guests from the entertainment world, the political world, the athletic world, entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, some of the most successful people in the world. It's Who lazy. does that? Nobody. Nobody. Which is exactly why you should. <laughs> <laughs>